If y'all have your Bibles this morning, great. If you don't, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. (laughs) Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Before you turn there, who can tell me what 1 Samuel 17 is about? Anybody? Y'all been in Sunday school for five minutes. Y'all don't know this. David. And Goliath. And y'all thought y'all were going to hear something new, didn't you? (laughs) Listen, I can't tell y'all how excited I am to be here today. I've been hounding Mark for two years to come back and and preach at chapel. (laughs) Every time I'd call him, I'd say, Mark, man, I really want to preach in chapel again. I had a a good time. He said, Lord hadn't told me to, to let you come back yet. And so I called him and I said, if you will let me come preach, I'll pay my own way. He said, Lord hadn't told me to let you come preach yet. And so not long ago, he called me. And he said, hey, Brother Stephen, you know we got some of the best students in the world at, at NEBC. I said, yeah, I know that. He said, you know how much I love them, and I only want the best for our students. And I said, yeah. He said, can you come preach in chapel? And I'm like, "Woohoo!" He said, because I need the best bad example in the world of a preaching, and you're my man. No, he didn't say that. But it was true, huh? David and Goliath. If y'all been in in church five minutes, you've heard this story. And and it gets so routine sometimes that we miss some things. And and we're going to be out here by 1230. But there's some things I want to mention to you. Just to encourage you a little bit. Y'all know this story, so I'm not going to read it because y'all are smart. But in 1 Samuel chapter 17, I want to begin reading in, in verse 17. If, if y'all don't know the story, two armies are sitting here facing off and one of them's scared to death and y'all know which one it is, right? Uh, the, the army of the Lord is scared to death. And I can't figure that out. Because me personally, when God tells me to do something, I've never been scared to do it. How about y'all? You know, not one time have I ever hesitated because of fear to do what God has asked me to do. Have y'all? That's a lie, by the way. Every one of us have felt this way, Right? Except Ed back there. Ed's, Ed's my hero. I mean, he's a man's man. He'd just grab the bull by the horns and go, right? So here we are. The Lord's army has come up against the, the Philistines, and, and there's this little dude there named Goliath, and, and he thinks he's all that in a bag of chips, and he's out there pestering this army, and, and they're scared to death of him. And so in verse 17 of chapter 17, in God's Word, we read, Then Jesse said to his son David, 
Take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these ten loaves and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand and see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battle. So here we are. What is David doing? You know David is... Saul's armor bearer, right? We read that in chapter 16. And so David every now and then would go back home and he would take care of his sheep. So Jesse says, hey son, take this food over there, give it to these guys and bring me a report of your brothers. So what is he doing? David was following his father's orders. That sounds simple, doesn't it? He's simply doing what his father had asked him to do. Y'all have a problem with that? I know four people in this room that have a problem with that. We're not going to call any names, but there, there are at least four people in this room that sometimes have a problem doing what their father says. I'm one of them. Do y'all have that problem? I mean, when God tells us something, and we know it's God, we read it in His Word, we know He's telling us to do something. Why can't we just do it? My stars. Whenever God speaks to me, you know how I put Him off? I make it sound real spiritual. Can y'all imagine what I might say when when somebody calls and, and I know it's God speaking and saying, hey, can you come help us? Five fatal words. Six fatal words. <laughs> I need to pray about it. That's a spiritual way of telling God no many times, Right? Because we know the Father has spoken. David knows the Father has spoken. Well, he's just simply following his Father's orders. And so he gets there, and he hears what's going on. He sees what's going on. And so David starts asking questions. And he's like, what are y'all worried about? Now, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? My stars, we're the army of the Lord, folks. What are y'all scared of? And then in comes his brother. Verse 28, now, Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. Now, this one's all free. Y'all ready for this? Sometimes those closest to us will criticize us the most. They will. Just get ready for it. 
If you haven't experienced that yet, it's going to happen. So why do you think Eliab is upset at David? Why do you think he's mad, the, the Bible says, his anger was aroused against David? And so if you're like me, I'm scratching my head thinking, David is Saul's armor bearer. He's supposed to be here. What's Eliab all mad about? Can y'all guess? You remember what happened in chapter 16? Who's the older brother? Eliab. He got passed over, didn't he? And then the other brothers got passed over. Verse 13 of chapter 16. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, David, in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. You think there may have been just a little bit of jealousy in Eliab? What do you think you're doing here? And by the way, who did you leave those few sheep with? Now I don't imagine whenever David was anointed king that he ran around singing, Oh, I just can't wait to be king. <laughs> That's not who David is. David was a servant. But Eliab gets mad. He's jealous. What do you think you're doing down here? If I would have been David, I'd have looked him right in the eyes and say, Apparently more than you. <laughs> But that's just me. I'm carnal anyway, right? <laughs> so what do we do? I promise you, some of your family members are going to be your worst critics. Whenever you try to follow the Lord, your own family is going to criticize you. So what do we do about it? Well, what did David do about it? And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause... And what did David do? He simply just basically ignored him and said, hey, don't worry about me. There's something way bigger going on here. And then he turned from him toward another and he's asking questions. David just ignored the criticizer and focused on the problem at hand. And folks, in ministry, many of you are, are preparing to, to go into ministry. Many of you are through life. You're going to have critics. Let me encourage you to just follow the, the will of the Father. And when people start criticizing you because they're jealous, they're mad, doesn't matter. It's going to happen. Just ignore them and focus on the problem at hand. Pray for them. Don't have to be rude about it. Now that one's all free, so back to clock up five minutes. Now, if we move on, and David says, listen, what in the world's going on? I'll go fight this guy. And here's David, he comes out. He's just a kid. And he hears, there's this dude called it just left me. Goliath. Started to say Samson. Goliath. <laughs> and he says, who's this uncircumcised Philistine? Well, you know, somebody's got to go fight this man. 
So what did David say? Now, when David, when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul. And so David comes to Saul, and he says, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Well, it's a good thing his name wasn't Stephen, right? At best, I would have said, I got to pray about it. <laughs> How about you? I got to pray about it. God, are you calling me to fight Goliath? No? All right. Saul, you got a problem. <laughs> I'm your armor bearer. I'm toting your weapons. If you wound him, I'll finish him off for you. But you got issues. No, David was a man of God. And David knew what was going on. David knew there was a need. But David says, listen, your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the enemies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. God didn't call David to go and fight Goliath. He didn't speak to David and say, Hey, David, here's specifically what I want you to do. So why did David do this? David was confident, not in himself, but in God's faithfulness. God always was faithful in the past. I fought the lion, I fought the bear, not because I'm great, but because I serve a great God. And he's going to deliver this man because of God's faithfulness. Listen, when people ask me, hey brother, can you do this? Can you do that? I may pray about it just for a minute, but listen, God is faithful. And no matter how big the task may be, God is bigger. No matter how intimidating it is to go and face somebody and share the gospel, God is bigger. Whenever we were talking with Phil Stedman yesterday, he said, let me see if I can remember this right. If I don't, y'all don't correct me and they won't know I didn't get it right, all right? Phil said, listen, when you're asked to do something and it scares you, you need to do it. Because if it doesn't scare you, you won't grow very much. And I thought about that for a minute. And I thought, man, it feels crazy. <laughs> David was confident, not in his own self, but he was confident in God. And I've had some times in my life when I've been scared to death. 
But I said, God, you've placed me right here for such a time as this, and you've never let me down. And I don't believe you're going to start now. And so David, he went, and you know how it all ended. But Saul, he's a king. Who's supposed to lead this battle? Saul. Saul's over here shaking in his boots. And here's this little young kid, probably a teenager, who we know can't be very spiritual, right? Teenagers. They're just aggravating all the time, right? I can say that because I was one a long time ago. But Saul says, hey, David, you want to volunteer? Go for it, son. And oh, by the way, you're going to need all my armor. You're going to need my sword. I'm going to give it all to you. You use this stuff, and you go do what I'm supposed to be doing. Now, that's not how it is in Scripture, but that's the Mississippi redneck version of what's going on. David, I'm the king. I'm supposed to lead this charge, but I'm, I'm too chicken to do it. I don't have enough faith in God. I'm not spiritual enough, but you can do it. So I'm going to tell you how to do it, and I'm going to provide you with my stuff. And David walks around. He says, I can't use this mess. It's too heavy. It's too bulky. Now, here's another freebie, all right? If you're pastoring the church for 10 minutes, you're going to know, find out that this is true. There's things that need to be done and nobody is going to do it. They're either too scared, too lazy, or, or whatever. But I promise you, whenever you say, I'll do it, they're going to tell you exactly how it needs to be done. <laughs> it's going to happen. And so, what did David do? David walks around, he says, I can't use this stuff. He took it all off. And he went with what he knew. What God has given him, which was what? A sling, five rocks, and a stick. And you may be thinking, but Listen, he needs to be better prepared for that. He used what God gave him. God has always been faithful. God always provides everything that we need to follow his orders. Always. And you know the, the greatest tool that we have to fight the enemy Is the gospel. Education is important. Y'all listen to your professors. Glean from them. You will never know the value of a good education. Now, I'm sorry that y'all can't go to, y'all haven't been to Southwestern, you know, some people in this room had to go to New Orleans. Y'all pray for them. 
But I had the privilege of going to Southwestern great school. This is a great school. I had some of the best professors in the world. You've got some of the greatest professors in the world. Thank God for that. You need a good education. It's going to be tremendous in your life and in your ministry. But don't ever stray away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the greatest tool that we have. Matter of fact, I read a book on that. Somebody wrote a book. I don't know who it was. I read it the other day. title of it, you may Google it and, and get you a copy and read it. I highly recommend it. The title of it is Words Matter. Y'all heard about that book? Some guy wrote this thing, and it's the clearest book that I've read on what the true gospel of, of Jesus Christ is. And many people try to add to it. Doesn't need anything added to it. David was confident in God. And Saul says, listen, if you're going to go and do my job, I need you to take all this stuff. No, I don't. Sometimes well-meaning people will try to weigh us down with their ideas, with their traditions, with their beliefs. But folks, let me encourage you. You need to go in the name of the Lord, armed with the gospel of Christ. And that is enough. Always. As I stand here in, in this room, Knowing what I know about NEBC. Knowing what I know about a dark culture. And it just blows my mind as I read. I had never been to New England before 2017, I think is the first time I came up here. Just happened to run into Mark at the Mississippi Baptist Convention. And he started telling me about New England and NEBC, and God placed a burden on my heart. And to read about how dark it is up here, and the, the state of lostness, it just breaks your heart. And then I'm, I'm in Mississippi, and some people in Mississippi won't agree with me, but they, they've got the privilege of being wrong if they want to be wrong. But as I put the math together from our annual church profiles, just in Adams County where, where we're from, I take our annual church profiles from our Southern Baptist churches. We have 10 Southern Baptist churches in our county. And I see how many are, are attending, not enrolled, We've got 550 people on the roll at my church. We average about 30 on Sunday. The IRS can't find 500 of these people. <laughs> but when I take these annual church profiles and I triple the Southern Baptist numbers, that's a very conservative number. See how many people in church are on Sunday morning? 70% 
of Adams County, Mississippi is unchurched. And I know what I'm fixing to say is not real popular, but I'm trying to be conservative. I'd be willing to bet my life that 50% of the church people are lost. I would. So in Mississippi, we're looking at probably 80% of the people there, if we were brutally honest, are probably lost. Do you know the difference in Mississippi and New England? In Mississippi, they don't know they're lost. Satan has convinced them, you've got your name on a church roll. We got 550 people on my church roll. And an averaging 30 people on Sunday morning. I'd be willing to bet you those 520 people are lost, but you can't convince them otherwise. So how do we reach them? How do we reach these in New England? You go in the power of God armed with the gospel of Christ. Now listen, you don't know how exciting it is to me. I found out how offensive the gospel is up here. I mean, it's a totally different culture here than it is in Mississippi. I can, I can go to any door, knock on the door, and say, hey, you got a few minutes? I want to tell you about Jesus Christ. Probably 70% of the people will say, yeah, okay. Y'all can't do that here, can you? I mean, I offended some people really quick up here by just talking about we serve a great God. Conversation is over. But at the same time, since 2018, I think is when y'all started keeping records, because of NEBC, over 500 people have come to know Christ. Wow. Folks, that is encouraging to me. That is amazing. You know what that tells me? That NEBC is following the Lord and going out armed with the gospel of Christ. But unlike Israel, who has a king who's sitting there shaking in his boots, you have a leader who's leading the charge with the gospel. You have professors who are leading the charge with the gospel. Don't ever get away from the gospel. God has anointed you. Just like Samuel anointed David as king. If you're a child of God, you don't have to pray about it. 
God has called you. Go armed with the gospel of Christ. And you're doing a fantastic job. And you have a leader here who still has that vision. Though he's a doctor now, he's still a servant of God. And I admire that in this man. And you have some people from Mississippi who you may think, man, I I don't know these people from Adam. But let me tell you, we're praying for you. We're lifting you up. We will do anything in our power. We can't be here all the time, but you are here. And you are following the Lord. And we admire that. And we want you to know that we are in your corner. We are together with you. Just like Paul wrote to the churches that, that everyone he wrote. As he wrote to the church at Colossae. And he says, hey, I've never seen you. I don't know you. But I do not cease to pray for you. Why? Because we are the family of God together and know that around this country people are praying for you. You serve a good God and you have the gospel of Christ and that is enough to win the battle. All right, my time's about up. But I do have Brother Jonathan Boast with me Pastor of Parkway Baptist Church in Natchez, Mississippi. And he's planning to bring his family back up here in July. And so I'd like to ask Brother Jonathan to come up here right now and close us and to pray for you as you are in this battle. Go armed with the gospel of Christ. And we're here with you, encouraging you, praying for you. And we're not going to quit. In prayer. Heavenly Father, we are grateful to come and be encouraged in your word this morning. Encouraged that we have an almighty God that uh, is sovereign over everything that is, uh, that we face, Lord. And that we can go out as you have called us to go to proclaim the message that you have given us to proclaim and to share the hope of the gospel. And Lord, to know that that hope is, is light to wor- the world, that we are to be agents of light and, and agents of uh, purity and preservation, Lord, as we are the salt of the earth as well. So Lord, I thank you for the ministry, not only represented by this college, but also by the, by the churches that they are partnered with in the community and the, and the partnerships that are happening because of church planning here. So, Lord, we pray that you would continue to work in those efforts. Lord, that people would respond to your call and to continue to to share the hope of the gospel. And, Lord, as I pray for these uh, professors and instructors, administrators and students today, Lord, I pray that you would lead them and guide them, that you would direct them always. And Lord, that you would, as you have done so 
often for us, Lord, that you would bless and protect them, that you would make your face shine upon them and be gracious to them. And Lord, may you look upon them with favor and give them peace. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.